Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.18 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 16th of May, 2022. This is episode 590. Lord have mercy of Bitcoin. And we've got some issues going on apparently in Norway where it looks like almost all card payment terminals in that country have stopped working. As of about one hour ago, according to Peter Sweden 7 on Twitter, leaving massive queues at grocery stores and shops, people are unable to buy anything except with cash. This is unprecedented. Welcome to the cashless society. Well, okay, I, I get it. We we know this. We know this happens. Now I don't know Peter Sweden, and I have never been to Norway, so I am going completely on what Peter is saying about that. This is an unprecedented situation. Okay, I think it's probably happened a couple of times. I mean, the whole freaking Visa network went down at one point or another, you know, a couple of times over the last, you know, couple of years. You know, this is this is one of the battle cries for Bitcoin. I get it. But this dude in reply takes the freaking cake. He says, and it's the finisher 1235, is replying to Peter's tweet, says, this happens every now and then. It's normal for services to go down at times. Okay, no, it's it shouldn't be normal. This shit should never be considered normal. Right? Services like is something as important as, you know, being able to trade your saved time for goods and services in the future. That honestly, that's shit that should not go offline. That's why cash has been so important over the millennia. Having something in hand that you can give to somebody and then they give you a duck or eggs or a sack of sugar, whatever, okay, salt, you know, being able to do that has defined human transactions for thousands of years at, 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 at a minimum, right? And barter before that, hey, you got a chicken, I got a duck. I'm tired of eating duck. I'd like to eat a chicken. Okay, see, you know, that shit kind of works, but cash, it really helped the fact of, you know, somebody saying, well, I don't want a duck. Well, all I have is a duck. Well, then you're shit out of luck with your duck. So cash enabled us to do so much more beyond the barter system. And here we have Norway, whose entire country is apparently offline for all credit card payments false flag? Oh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't care. We got bigger fish to fry as normal. And what I want to say here is I want to go back to something that I may have mentioned this on Friday, and I'm pretty sure that I codified it later on in the day with this tweet, which is clearly an unpopular opinion. 
When we say have fun staying poor to dipshit statements about Bitcoin, what we really mean is that we, as Bitcoiners, have figured out a way to have fun staying poor because it matters. It matters. It really does. So why is that a horrible statement? Well, because it's the truth and nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear that. It is the Bitcoiners that are having fun staying poor. It's the Bitcoiners that are selling their chairs for sats or selling their chairs to create businesses, which they will be a slave to for years and years and years, possibly only to see it fail. Uh, only, man, I mean, people with just resolve of steel get into doing shit like this. And we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? What is it? What the hell is it that is driving us to stop looking for jobs on Wall Street, to stop looking for jobs at banks, to stop wanting to be a lawyer? For lawyers who have been lawyers who are now going, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I want to do Bitcoin. What is it? What is it about Bitcoin? Is it simply the future that it holds, that the promise of a newer and better and brighter future? Is that it? Is it, I'm in it for the tech, bro? Because the tech is kind of cool. I mean, you got to admit, I don't, like, I don't laugh at people who say that they're in it for the tech. Sure, they may be lying, but the tech is not boring. The tech is super awesome, man. Is it that? Is it that we're just tired of the plastic society that we are wrapped up in like saran wrap? Is that it? I'm drinking a little bit of coffee here. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I don't know what it is that drives me. I, I literally don't know why it is that I don't have a problem having fun staying poor. Any, any self-respecting person would look at me and say, you are not doing right by your family. Am I? Am I not? I, you know, I don't know. I literally don't know. I think this is indicative of the times that we live in where it's like everything is way too fluid to be able to look at something and say that, that's what's going to make me the money. It's going to be, there's a guy named Paul Wheaton. He's sort of like the, the crown prince of, of permaculture or the, the Duke of permaculture. And he says the same thing all the time. He says, try a hundred things and maybe one of them will work. And if not, try a hundred more. Yeah, that's the whole Edison, Thomas Edison, you know, ethos kind of thing where he did a, he tested a thousand different filaments for the light bulb. And it, finally he figured out it was like a tungsten coated steel wire that, or iron wire that actually worked. I don't know. Point is, we live in a really plastic and very fluid situation. Nothing looks good. And we found this thing. And if you can literally have fun staying poor, you may just be more anti-fragile than you think. I don't know for sure. That's the whole, the whole point is, is that I may be so wrong. I may be so filling myself with, you know, taking hits and hits and hits of hopium that, I can't see straight anymore, but if you can survive, you know, being poor, if you can do it, I, I just don't know how you don't come out the other side stronger, faster, smarter, and more knowledgeable about money. Speaking of money, 
what happened to Luna? <laughs> I've got, uh, I think, like, what, of three or four pieces here in a row. And maybe we can wrap our minds around it. And let's start with Namcios. He's writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Luna Foundation sold 80,000 Bitcoin amid the UST crash. So apparently we've got some confirmation that they did actually sell most of their Bitcoin reserves. The nonprofit organization holding Terra's Bitcoin reserves confirmed on Monday morning that it had sold over 80,000 BTC over the past week to acquire UST, that's Terra USD stablecoin, in an attempt to defend its crumbling US dollar peg. Quote, Consistent with its nonprofit mission and focus on the health of the Terra ecosystem, beginning on May 8th, when the price of UST began to drop substantially below $1, the foundation began converting their reserve, reserve of UST, LFG said in a Twitter thread. Singapore-based LFG works to cultivate demand for Terra's stablecoin and buttress the stability of the UST peg, and foster the growth of the Terra ecosystem. It was in charge of acquiring and holding Bitcoin to build the UST reserves. The foundation said it began transferring Bitcoin funds to a counterparty, quote, to enable them to enter trades with the foundation in large size on short notice, end quote. That counterparty received north of 50,000 BTC in exchange for over 1.5 billion UST. As the UST value kept dropping, failing to shoot back toward its supposed, you know, $1 peg, Terraform Labs, the tech startup behind the development of scam coin known as Terra, sold a 33,206 BTC for 1.6 billion UST on May the 10th. Quote, in a latch, last ditch effort to defend the peg, LFG said, as of May the 16th, that is today, LFG holds. 313 Bitcoin in reserve out of 80,394 BTC that it held on May the 7th. The foundation also holds a handful of other assets, including UST and Luna. The majority of its Luna is staked or locked up across a range of validators to protect against a possible governance attack as the token's price kept dropping near zero and the amount of Luna in circulation skyrocketed. The foundation is looking to use its remaining assets to compensate remaining users of UST. Smallest holders first, LFG said in a final tweet. We are still debating through various distribution methods updates to follow soon. Let's check in on the prices of this shit. All right, I'm looking at Luna right now, whose all-time high price was somewhere, I don't know, north of $110 US. And it is now cash, you can cash in at 0.00018 United States dollars on Luna right now. And most of that crash occurred over the period of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days. Seven days to go from 110 bucks or whatever, 110 and change. No, it was 112.92 for its high. And its low actually got all the way down to, Jesus. Its low got all the way down to 0.00000346. Boys and girls, do not play with this shit. Uh, let's see here. What is a UST doing? 
UST is at eight cents off of its peg, which is supposed to be 100 pennies or 100 cents or a buck. In the same seven day period, it got down to a low of five cents and is now coming in at 0.079 dollars or 7.9 United States pennies. Oh boy. I, what I hope for is that this thing gets put to fucking bed real quick, but you know, what's not going to happen that that's not going to happen. There's already news that somebody is spinning up a freaking replacement. And I think I might have it. I don't know if I don't, who gives a shit? I just saw something somewhere that said somebody was going to one or one of the validators for UST uh, and the LFG, the LF Luna Foundation Guard, one of the validators wants to uh, spin up a replacement chain. Like, I don't, I, the only reason you would do that, given all this, is not because you believe in Luna and Terra and all that shit. You can do all of that stuff with Tether or USDC, right? You, there is no reason that you need any other stable coin if you're a person that for whatever reason really needs a stable coin. But, oh, here it is. I do have it. Major validator calls for completely new chain to replace Terra. Yay, Brian Newer saves the day from Cointelegraph. As the dust settles from the Terra ecosystem crash and the community decides what the next step should be, the CEO of a validator runner in South Korea thinks the old Terra chain should be shut down permanently. Ju Yoon Kim, CEO of blockchain solutions company DSRV, wrote an opinion post on his own behalf detailing how the Terra team tiptoed around the idea of halting block production while Terra Luna prices crashed and its Terra USD stablecoin was depegged. He now urges validators in the Terra ecosystem to reject a hard fork in favor of a brand new community-driven blockchain. Mm-hmm. Rug pull incoming. DSRV runs a validator node on Terra with 9.36% of the on-chain voting power. It suffered as much as any investor because its node had collected 14 billion Luna, worth about $1 billion in Luna by May 8th, which is now worth about $3 million. Kim wrote that the decision to halt the chain on May the 12th was not taken lightly by the Terra Validator League, which was renamed the Terra Rebirth League. However, he said the team or the Terra team failed to give the proper notification using the word confirm to actually confirm with all validators that they should halt the chain, which left him feeling betrayed. He wrote, quote, and the announcement that they made made it sound like the chain restart was originally the validators option. Yes, they didn't use the term confirm, end quote. Terra founder Duquan proposed reconstituting the chain and resetting token supply to 1 billion Luna on Friday. Kim appears to completely disagree with Quan as he wrote in his post that reusing the Terra chain is completely making Terra chain's internal value to zero. Quote, the previous Terra chain should permanently vanish and a completely new chain driven by the community should be made to save the lunatics. End quote. Nothing's going to save the lunatics. There may be more to the story as Kim wrote in his post that Validator League Control 
has been relinquished to the community, giving a semblance of decentralization, which could potentially protect the terror team from further legal burdens. He wondered if the project is preparing to deal with imminent legal hurdles by asking, quote, maybe this can be used to mitigate their legal risk, end quote. Woo Blockchain tweeted on Saturday that a resident of Singapore has already filed suit against Duquan for UST and Luna investors. Well, duh. Kim told Cointelegraph on Monday that he wants to save the community, but that there is no major coordinator in victim support efforts because there are still legal issues there. Quote, I'm not a hero, but I really want to save people. End quote. (laughs) On May the 8th, a sell-off of UST tokens sparked a panic, ultimately leading to the price of Luna to fall from 73 bucks to a minuscule Lots of zeros behind a decimal point and then 999 on Friday. According to CoinGecko, UST is still catastrophically depegged from the dollar trading at 16 cents while Luna is virtually worthless, trading down 30.8% over the last 24 hours at 0.00026. Okay, so there you go. He wants to save the people. But, uh, well, we got to get over our, the, the incoming lawsuits. Okay. <clears throat> Is there anybody out there that can just go ahead and, like, when somebody spins up a shit chain, just model out the, the catastrophe that will ensue after that and what you can expect, you know, as a, as a dumbass investor that puts your money into it? Is there any way that we can model this? Because, you know, I guarantee you that there's not a single person that was into, quote, Luna and LFG and UST and all the trappings that came along with it that really thought <clears throat> about the fact that it this was not decentralized. Because if it was decentralized, there's no real person that a government or a bunch of people can sue. Yes, I know, Craig Wright is in the midst of suing everybody under the sun, but he's a patent troll. Patent trolls are, are, are going to do that shit. And lots of, like, uh, I'm not a fan of Vitalik Buterin, but he's done two things that I actually respect. One, he stood up live at a conference while in the audience, not on stage, in the audience, and completely took down Craig Wright, who was live and on stage, and basically called him out as a fraud. Good for you, Vitalik. I mean, that was, I mean, he was vocal. This wasn't kind of under his breath. He stood up and he made himself clear that Craig Wright was a fraud and that he didn't know what he was talking about. Two, when Craig Wright sued Vitalik Buterin, Vitalik Buterin just didn't even respond. They just threw the lawsuit in the trash. (laughs) I don't know why people... Some people are able to not respond to a lawsuit and other people think that if they don't respond to the lawsuit that it's that their life is over. If if there's a lawyer out there that can tell me when I can and when I cannot respond to a lawsuit, hit me up on Twitter. That'd be at Ghost of Nunya on Twitter. That's Ghost of Nunya on Twitter. Now, Binance, <clears throat> this is breaking news apparently, or at least five hours ago it was, by... Varinder Singh is writing this one for CoinGate. Binance CEO says exchange holds 3 million Luna and 10 million USD. Wow. 
Contradicting his earlier comments, CZ said that Binance in fact holds 3 million Luna tokens and 10 million UST tokens, the former of which it had received for an initial investment in Terra. None of the tokens were ever moved or traded. The 10 million UST was generated and earned through staking activities by the exchange. At peak value, Binance held about $1.6 billion in Luna and $12 million in UST. Additionally, CZ said Binance will now push Terra into repaying its smallest holders, a move that the Luna Foundation Guard said it intends to do. Binance had invested $3 million in the Terra project during the first fundraising round. However, the company did not take part of the second round. In response to rumors circulating on Twitter that Binance had invested largely in Terra's UST, Binance CEO CZ said, quote, uh, Binance received 15 million Luna as part of the original investment. 560x return at peak. It still sits on the address we received at, never moved or sold. End quote. He has also suggested that the Terra team should be buying back or burning tokens instead of forking and minting. He believes forking and minting will not help revive UST. Uh, nothing's going to revive UST. Binance or CZ. In response to his tweet, users appreciated the transparency of the Binance exchange and team. Moreover, claiming transparency is the reason behind Binance's success in becoming the world's largest crypto exchange in daily trades. Initially, CZ had downplayed speculation that Binance major exposure to Luna by saying, quote, we probably do have some from trading fees, probably valued close to zero now. Think of it as free trading in the past. Ha, 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 yeah. I'll, he's actually writing, ha, ha. This is a man who did not lose his home to Luna. Okay, just keep that shit in mind. All these, it, just, because, just because you're, I don't know, just because you at one point or another were a Bitcoiner does not mean that you can't become seriously detached from reality. CZ obviously is clearly detached from reality. He ends by saying, this just wasn't on my mind, not how we prioritize things. Users first, end quote. Even after a week of Luna and UST tumbling, Terraform Labs hasn't been able to revive or come up with a better proposal. At the time of writing, the Luna price is trading at, oh, I don't know, some something very far below a penny. And the UST price is 16 cents. Meanwhile, Vitalik Buterin supports that Terraform Labs should protect small investors of UST and Luna. I don't know why these people think this is going to have any chance of resurrection under any auspices. Okay? There's no amount of UST you can burn. They've sold all their Bitcoin. I mean, it's a fucking dumpster fire. There is nothing you can do. There's no amount of water you can pour on this thing to revive this stupid ass chain. The guy that wants to, that says we need to stop that chain and build a new chain for Terra, you know what's going to happen. They'll rebrand. It will be another shit chain. They will completely disregard any connection to the past relationship with Luna or Terra and they'll spin this thing up and guess what'll happen? That's right. People will mortgage their house and their family's futures to go all in on whatever new stable coin that there is. It's ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. It's just absolutely stupid. Now, moving across the pond to UK Treasury en route to legalizing stable coins amid Terra's UST crash. Cointelegraph, Arjit Sarkar. 
United Kingdom's Department of Treasury, or Her Majesty's Treasury, has reportedly decided to go ahead with regulating stablecoins as legal tender. <laughs> the timing. While welcomed by the crypto community, the decision came as a shocker due to its proximity to the recent fall of one of the most popular algorithmic stablecoins, US, yeah, UST, or Terra USD, what we've been talking about. A local report from the Telegraph highlighted the Treasury's intent to regulate stablecoins across Britain, which was revealed during the Queen's speech. During the speech, Prince Charles announced the introductions of new legislation across various sectors, including measures to drive economic growth to improve living standards in the region, adding, quote, a bill will be brought forward to further strengthen powers to tackle illicit finance, reduce economic crime, and help businesses grow. The Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill is its name, end quote. Cointelegraph's report from April the 4th called attention to the UK's Economic and Finance Ministry Department, which cited the amendment of its existing regulatory framework for incorporating stable coins as a means of payment. While the recent crash of the Terra ecosystem was expected to raise flags amongst the regulators, the UK Treasury maintained its course, quote, to ensure the UK financial services industry is always at the forefront of technology and innovation, end quote as previously stated by the Chancellor Rishi Sunak. However, the Treasury's plan does not <clears throat> involve legalizing algorithmic stablecoins and instead prefers one-to-one fully-backed stablecoins like Tether and USD coin. According to the Treasury spokesperson, quote, legislation to regulate stablecoins where used as a means of payment will be part of the financial services and markets bill which was announced in the Queen's speech, end quote. By legalizing stablecoins for the UK market, the Treasury aims to open up growth opportunities while ensuring financial stability as it introduces new financial technologies, underscoring the fact that the value of Terra's UST token was tied to a different cryptocurrency. The spokesperson stated, quote, the government has been clear that certain stablecoins are not suitable for payment purposes as they share characteristics with unbacked cryptocurrencies, end quote. Commissioner Hester Pierce of the United States Securities and Exchange Commission recently highlighted the need for room for there to be failure while backing a regulatory framework for stablecoins. While speaking at an online panel, Pierce mentioned the rising interest in stablecoins amongst regulators. As Cointelegraph reported, Pierce Pierce, uh, urged the SEC to provide exemptions to particular technologies which, according to her, would allow necessary experimentation. Quote, we need to allow room for there to be failure because that obviously is part of trying new things and our framework really does allow for that kind of trial and error. I hope that we will use it for that purpose, end quote. I'm not sure how much room the SEC has given for, you know, providing latitude for ultimate failure. I'm not exactly sure what she's talking about, but, you know, shit. She knows a lot more about the SEC than I do, so I'm just going to take her word for it. Still, though, I the UK is actually, at this point, I'm like, this actually makes sense, except for the fact that stablecoins is payment, because we're already seeing, you know, there's some there's been some issues with Tether, all right? Tether started to depeg. I don't know if it's back. I, I don't care because I don't need it. I, I don't use it. But the fact that there was slippage to, I think it got as low as, as the last time I saw the lowest 
the slippage was was 99.6% of the value of a dollar or 99.6 United States pennies. Still though, that's kind of unacceptable when you think about it. So the UK, by not accepting stable coins or allowing stable coins to be used as payment that are not backed one-to-one with something in the real world, I can see that. I mean, for them to make that decision makes sense for them. I, I mean, I wouldn't, of course, and again, I don't use any of this stuff, so I don't really honestly care. Why don't I care? Well, because dominoes, buddy, dominoes. Algorithmic stablecoin from Deus Finance loses dollar peg plunging 30%. Yes, another one. This is D-E-U-S or Deuce or Doe. I don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced. Doesn't matter. Suji Samaraj is writing it for Decrypt.co. D-E-I or DAI, maybe. A hybrid algorithmic stablecoin from the DeFi protocol Deuce Finance lost its dollar peg on Sunday According to data from CoinMarketCap, the DAI stablecoin currently trades at 66 pennies after recovering from an all-time low of 55 cents recorded on May the 16th. <laughs> Jesus. Though DAI resembles Terra's UST in many ways, Deuce Finance stablecoin, uh, Deuce Finance's stablecoin is collateralized, unlike UST. <clears throat> Deuce Finance uses two tokens called Deuce and DAI, the former is the project's native governance token, and the latter is its dollar peg stablecoin. <clears throat> Users can always mint one die by depositing one dollars worth of collateral. The collateral can be Circle, USDC, Phantom FTM, MakerDAO stablecoin die, WBTC, the wrapped version of Bitcoin, or a combination of Deuce and USDC. The collateral ratio between USDC and native token Deuce is 80%. The dollar peg of DAI is stabilized much like Terra's UST, leveraging a similar mint and burn mechanism between Deuce and DAI. During DAI minting, the Deuce collateral is burned unless a different form of collateral is used. When redeeming DAI for the underlying collateral, Deuce tokens are also minted alongside the underlying collateral. If you were to mint DAI using only USDC as collateral, for instance, when you redeem your underlying, you would receive 80% in USDC and 20% in Deuce. Redemption is the process of swapping the stablecoin for its collateral. If the price of DAI is above a buck, users can mint one DAI using $1 worth of collateral and sell them in the market to pocket the difference as profit. If DAI falls below a dollar, users can buy one DAI for less than a dollar on the open market and redeem them for $1 worth of collateral in USDC and Deuce. Over the past two months, the Deuce Finance ecosystem suffered two flash loan attacks, leading to a loss of more than $30 million. Alongside the stablecoin, the Deuce token dropped by 45% this morning, hitting 162 bucks a token. It now trades at $264 from an all-time high of 830 Okay, that, there's, there's been a mistake in the way this is written, I can tell, but I'm just going to read through it. You do with it what you want. It now trades at $264 from an all-time high of $813,282,694, according to data from CoinMarketCap. 
yeah, you can tell why I'm pretty sure that's wrong. These two factors depreciated the collateral value of the stablecoin and thus brought down the collateral ratio to 43%, according to data from Deuce Finance. With the collateral ratio so low, redemptions for DAI become incredibly difficult as there isn't enough capital backing the stablecoin. <clears throat> Now that the DAI stablecoin trades well below $1, many users have taken advantage of the arbitrage opportunity to buy the stablecoin on exchanges and redeem them for the $1 worth of collateral. Yeah, that's what we call implosion. To reduce the risks of collapsing, which it will, the Deuce Finance team has halted the redemption process to help stabilize the coin. They also announced to make the coin fully collateralized. Nothing's going to save your fucking shit coin. Stop it. Stop. It's that e it is just that easy. Stop taking people's money. This coin does nothing. It's an it's an internal arbitrage play. Nowhere in this piece does it talk about its utility. What's the utility? Oh, it's a stable coin, so it must do what stable coins do. Does it? Do people actually use DAI as a stable coin as money? Honestly, you know, just use, again, just use Tether or just use USDC. I don't like either one of them. It's okay. You can use them. You don't need anything else. All this is, it was just a copy paste, probably from Terra. It does the exact same shit and it's going to meet the exact same fate. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities. We've got West Texas Intermediate up scant, but holding right around what it was last Friday or last Thursday, $110.51. Brent North Sea is down scant to 1100 no, 1100 111 and 40 cents. Natural gas, however, is moving up. 6.36% to the upside puts it above, well above $8 to $8.14 per thousand cubic feet. That's, that's high. Uh, a 0.94% a increase in gasoline puts you right at four bucks a gallon. Gold losing a little bit, 0.14% to the downside, back down to $1,806. <clears throat> Silver is up 1.61%. $21.34. Platinum is down three quarters of a point. Copper is up scant. Palladium is up 2.7%. Agricultural futures are all riding their way to the moon. Why? Well, I heard earlier today that the, oh God, I can't remember. One of the agricultural bureaus that keeps track of what's going to happen with commodities over this summer is predicting an 8% reduction in the amount of wheat available for U.S. farmers to harvest at the harvest time. Well, when harvest time comes up, that's a substantial loss in wheat production. And if it's wheat, guarantee it's also corn, soybean, you know, you name it. Not that we eat any of that shit. Well, we do. Okay, yes, I know. I get it. We do. If you really are watching your diet and you're stopping buying chips and Doritos and all the crap that's in the center of the of the supermarket and you're shopping at meat and vegetables and milk and dairy, if you're doing if you're keeping around that, 
and getting very, very few, you know, like boxes of, you know, chick chicken in a biscuit and wheat thins and shit like that, then you're not really eating a lot of this stuff. Yes, I know corn is fed to fed to gain or uh, chickens and, and cow and shit like that. I get that part. So yeah, in a way we are eating that. And, but it's just, it's going to suck, man. I mean, it's just, it's going to suck because wheat is up five and a third percent right now. Five and a third percent for wheat right now. Soybeans up almost a full point. Corn is up 2.88%. Sugar's up 2%. Coffee reaching for the sky, 5.75% to the upside. Cotton, yeah, watch out. You keep watching cotton, 2.23% to the upside. Rice is up 2.5%. Chocolate is up 1.7%. Dow, down almost a half point. S&P, down almost a half point. NASDAQ is down almost three quarters of a point, And the S&P mini is down also almost three quarters of a point. Real money clearly having issues, $29,809.83. One million BTC was sent in the last 24 hours. That's about 43,800 BTC every hour on the hour trading hands with 4.25 BTC as the average transaction value. Median transaction value, 0.016 BTC. And block times. You know, you'd think people would run to the hills, but they're not. Nine minutes and 40 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. With 0.11 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 17.6 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. And with just a 2.3% drop in hash rate, we are still at 207 exahashes per second. Shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin as normal, 8.7 US pennies. I sold for 55 cents. Yes, I know. I murdered that trade and that was the last that I had my hands on a shitcoin. I didn't touch that. I didn't even look at balances of all the shitcoins that I had until Elon Musk opened that fat ass mouth of his and started screwing shit up and turned Doge into something that was cute and fluffy. And I used to laugh about owning some into something that I needed to get rid of because it was toxic and it was going to destroy my life if I held on to it. So yeah, I fucking sold it. I wish I had sold it at 74 cents, but my ledger didn't arrive in the mail in time. And I had to, uh, because my other ledger froze up on me, I, I will never use ledger again. I'm sorry. It's just, if you're a man in the coma and you wake up 15 years later and you try to use your ledger in any kind of computer, it's going to try to update the firmware and it's going to fucking freeze up and you're going to have to figure out a way to get your private keys and and get another, you know, find something else. Because I've been through not one, not two, but three ledger hardware wallets and two of those three have died on updating the firmware. So I just refused to even touch it again. Anyway, so when I finally got it, everything went. I was looking for, I, I, there was stuff in there that I had bought back in like the month after I bought Bitcoin and I was still a shit coiner. And I got rid of everything that I could find. Almost, almost everything got sold. However, I did not touch the Bitcoin forks. I didn't do that. Not worth my damn time. All right, now what's going on here? We have 5,900 transactions waiting on 33 blocks to clear. 
we are down to $563.1 billion in market cap, well below uh, 5% uh, gold of gold market cap. And if we so choose, we may buy 16.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there now are 19,041,223.43 of, and 3,808 of those are in the Lightning Network, which is valued now at $112.6 million. Finally, we're back over, uh, well, actually we're not over 17,000. We are literally at 17,000 nodes. Uh, We used to be at almost 20, almost 20,000 nodes and we're 3,000 nodes. I don't know what happened to those nodes, but they're they're now gone. But we still have 83,103 total payment channels that we know about and 72.8% of all of that is being run over TORS associated 11,905 lightning nodes, and that's gonna do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. President Nayib Bukele announces 44 countries to meet in El Salvador to discuss Bitcoin. This is written by Nick from Bitcoin Magazine. Late Sunday night, El Salvador President Nayib Bukele announced on Twitter that 32 central banks, 12 financial authorities from 44 countries are going to meet Monday, that would be today, May 16th, to discuss financial inclusion, digital economy, banking, the unbanked, El Salvador's Bitcoin rollout, and its benefits in the country. In follow-up tweets, the president announced that the Central Bank of Sao Tome and Principia, Central Bank of Paraguay, National Bank of Angola, Bank of Ghana, Bank of Nambia, Bank of Uganda, Central Bank of the Republic of Guinea, Central Bank of Madagascar, Bank of the Republic of Haiti, and the Bank of the Republic of Burundi, Central Bank of Eswatini, and its Ministry of Finance, Central Bank of Jordan, Central Bank of the Gambia, National Committee of Banks and Sueros of Honduras, Directorate General of Treasury, Ministry of Finance and Budget, Madagascar, and the Maldives Monetary Authority are among those that will be attending. Bukele added that the National Bank of Rwanda, Nepal Rastra Bank, Sako Society's Regulatory Authority, Kenya, State Bank of Pakistan, General Superintendency of Finance, Entities of Costa Rica, Superintendents of the Popular and Solidarity Economy of Ecuador and the Central Bank of El Salvador will also be in attendance. On Friday, May the 13th, the Twitter account for Bitcoin Beach announced that the central bankers from Angola, Armenia, Bangladesh, Burundi, Congo, Costa Rica, Egypt, Gambia, Ghana, India, Nambia, Senegal, Sudan, Uganda, Zambia, and 25 other developing countries are getting on planes today to fly to El Salvador. Not long after President Bukele's official announcement, Bitcoin Beach tweeted out a map of the world that seemingly has countries who have either adopted Bitcoin already or are attending Monday's meeting filled with color saying probably nothing. Yes, probably nothing. I mean, it's only, you know, almost all of the world is actually represented when you see this map not lying, almost all the world. It took 12 years for the first country to adopt Bitcoin, around eight months for the second. And if Panama's president signs their recent Bitcoin bill into law, then they will be the third only about a month after the second. Now, countries from all over the world are meeting in El Salvador. God, that has got to piss the IMF off, man. 
to discuss financial inclusion and how adopting Bitcoin can benefit their countries gradually and then suddenly. Woo! That, I mean, honestly, I hope Bukele's got one hell of a security detail on his ass because I guarantee you he is probably in, he's probably in the lights for assassination. I'm just going to straight up say it. He's probably being looked at by the powers that be for straight up assassination. Not that that's going to do anything. I I mean, he's really... I really like the guy. He may be a dictator, but at least he's got a sense of humor. So I'd hate to see him go. But you just don't make moves like this where you've got all these central banks that are going to pile in to El Salvador instead of going to, you know, IMF's party over in Davos and the uh, World Monetary Foundation or World Economic Forum. You know, Klaus Schwab just shitting his diapers at this point. Because you don't, I mean, unless they have reps there, they don't know what's being said, although I would count the central bankers themselves as representatives of IMF and WEF. So this may backfire, come to think of it. Well, you know, you never know. They said IMF and WEF signs off on all this shit and says, sure, go on down there and deliver the following message one after another, after another, after another. That following message could be any anything heinous and think about the effect that that might have. So Let's wait until all the dust settles on this shit before we call it what what it is. Because honestly, until it's over, we don't really know what it is. So keep that in your back pocket. FTX CEO sees no future in Bitcoin payments. The community fires back, as you might might imagine. Cointelegraph, Prashant Jha writing... Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of crypto exchange FTX, has criticized the, efficient, criticized the efficiency of Bitcoin as a payment network, only to meet heavy backlash from the crypto community. During an interview with the Financial Times, Bankman-Fried fueled environmental concerns associated with Bitcoin's network mining consensus and claimed it's not scalable enough to accommodate millions of transactions. He advocated for the use of, you guessed it, proof-of-stake mining consensus instead and claimed it is better suited for blockchain payment networks. He said, quote, things that you're doing millions of transactions a second with have to be extremely efficient and lightweight and low energy cost. Proof-of-stake networks are, in quote. Bankman-Fried's comments resonated with the recent calls for a complete ban on proof of work by a group of billionaire lobbyists comprising Ripple co-founder and several other environmental groups. However, Bitcoin proponents have been actively fighting against the ongoing narration calling for a change in the code of the Bitcoin network's mining consensus, which will never happen, by the way, because somebody can change the code, but I have to run it on my node. I will not honor that consensus mechanism. It's just never going to happen. The likes of Jack Dorsey have already made it clear that POS is more centralized and less secure than POW, proof of work. The crypto community was not pleased with his recent comments. Many claim the Bitcoin network is not intended to be a payment network, but rather a settlement one and layer two solutions such as the Lightning Network act as the main payment gateway. One user wrote, quote, either SBF or FT is lying here. What happens to L2? The Bitcoin Lightning Network handles up to 1 million transactions per second, end quote. Others reminded him of high centralization and concurrent shutdowns of POS networks such as Solana. One user wrote, quote, thank 
God, we have soy Lana that we can switch off and on every other week. Another user on Reddit wrote, he doesn't have a friggin' clue what he's talking about. Scaling has nothing to do with the consensus algorithm and hence whether it is POW or POS is completely irrelevant to the scaling issues, end quote. The FTX CEO took to Twitter himself <coughs> to clear the air around his comments and said that he also talked about the Bitcoin network's potentials to store value. He said, quote, to be clear, I also said that it does have potential as a store of value. The BTC network can't sustain thousands and millions of transactions per second, although BTC can be transferred on lightning, end quote. This guy is a tool, dude. The POW versus POS debate started last year when the Ethereum network outlined its plan to move to a POS mining consensus. No, it's been there for a while, dude. God, come on. Was it, is it Prashant Ja? Dude, you should know this, motherfucker. Uh, it did. Okay, the proof of work versus proof of stake debate started last year. No, that is false. It heated up yet again last year, but it's been ongoing since 2015 and the start of Ethereum itself. It was always supposed to move to proof of stake and they haven't been able to do it in seven years. So this debate has been ongoing since at least 2015 at minimum. The likes of Elon Musk fueled the sentiment that BTC needs to use more clean energy to be a viable option. However, in 2022, the debate seems to have shifted towards a complete change of mining consensus for the BTC network. That will never happen. Here's why. You'll get a fork. They'll fork it. Sure. Put in a fork in it. It's done. And I will never run that fork like I never considered running the BCH hard fork. I sure as shit wasn't going to run BSV because that meant I would have had to have been running BCH to, to be able to run B, BSV because BSV was forked out of whatever. That never happened. Nobody ran that code. Nobody's going to run this code. Sure, the billionaires will step in and go, see, we're running the code. And it will just be a dead chain. And then they'll it'll go away. And Sam Bakeman fried and all of these assholes from Greenpeace and all the rest of them, they will literally develop amnesia four years from now when people ask them about, hey, remember when you tried to break Bitcoin and destroy it? And they'll like go, they'll literally go, I have no idea what you're talking about. Promise you it'll happen. <clears throat> An open letter to a Bitcoin doubting friend on Wall Street. Yao Grillo is saying it for Bitcoin Magazine. Dear Wall Street friend, I write this letter because I like you. I know we have our differences, especially in terms of how we view the financial institutions that dominated the last century of history. But I understand where you're coming from. You're a smart and communicative person. Banks and managers have identified your potential, offered you a well-paid career and a financial education along the lines of the fiduciary system. Suddenly I appear with an obsessed gaze telling you that an anonymous individual has created digital money that, in addition to being an unparalleled investment, is a technology that will revolutionize humanity and turn everything you've learned from your successful billionaire employees upside down or rather employers upside down at first glance. <clears throat> I must seem like a crazy person, but be patient. Read the letter until the end. 
I write it from the bottom of my heart. This is not a definitive article to convince you that Bitcoin is the best investment at your disposal or why it represents the biggest social disruption of the century. My intention is just to give you some warnings and suggestions on how to approach this topic so that you may find your way down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Bitcoin is a threat to the financial industry and this may scare you, but I can't tell you otherwise. Bitcoin is indeed a threat to the entire financial industry. As the adoption of Bitcoin increases, the trend is that the entire sector of funds, banks, brokers, investment banking, etc. will decrease in size. Please don't let this fact keep you from understanding Bitcoin in depth. Those who understand the orange coin today are only a part of the entire population that will adopt the technology in the future. Even with a pessimistic outlook for the investment industry, the opportunity you will see is so massive that you will soon forget about the disruption of the industry that now employs you. Bitcoin is not a company. It's a weird beast, but it's especially weird if you try to understand it through the traditional lens of analyzing income earning assets like companies, real estate, debt. Bitcoin is difficult to define, even for someone obsessed with the subject for years like myself. My suggestion is to approach Bitcoin from a network technology perspective. Look for parallels in the development of the internet, decentralized peer-to-peer -peer networks like Tor or BitTorrent, and even sea and air routes. And of course, be sure to study monetary history. Placing Bitcoin and fiat money on an evolutionary timeline will make it clear how much more dynamic the story is than central bank proponents would like to actually admit. Bitcoin is a revolution of individuals, not of institutions. Don't look for the value of Bitcoin in the big financial institutions and gurus. Its value lies in the anonymous people who make a conscious decision to participate in maintaining the Bitcoin network by purchasing their own in-home equipment and saving via small weekly purchases in Bitcoin. This is quite different from what you're used to. In the fiduciary world, names, surnames, positions, and institutions are agents of great importance and value. In Bitcoin, the opinions of Jamie Dimon, Warren Buffett, and the CFO of BlackRock matter little. What makes this technology inevitable is the existence of an anonymous, uncompromising, and unstoppable minority. Try to understand Bitcoin what this, or try to understand what this minority thinks, what motivates them, how they interact with Bitcoin, and why is it so difficult to stop them? The next time Charlie Munger gives his opinion on the matter, ignore it. Bitcoin's technical nuances matter. You may not be interested in understanding the difference between asymmetric key cryptography and a hash function, nor the difference between computation and predicate verification. It also may not seem very important to understand the nuances of governance of an open source project or what a soft fork means and the Bitcoin tendency to avoid investing in hard forks. I understand you, they are specific ideas and are not part of your daily life. But know that these concepts make a difference, especially when you want to understand why Bitcoin is different from all altcoins, which we Bitcoiners affectionately call shitcoins. Take the time to research how Bitcoin works at a deeper level than the articles on financial news portals. Some technical details are essential to understand the guarantees that Bitcoin offers and why they are unique compared to all the projects that exist in the crypto world. Study Austrian economics. I've heard big names in Wall Street claim that Bitcoin has no intrinsic value more times than is reasonable. 
After a few years of not understanding this phenomenon, I came to learn that many economists who have advanced degrees in work and work in finance have never read even one essay by Frederick Hayek or Ludwig van Mises. It would be of great value to your Bitcoin journey to set aside linear regressions and differential modeling for a while to focus on the ideals of Carl Menger and his disciples. I promise you that you will not become a gold bug overnight, but at the very least, you will understand what the term intrinsic value or that the term intrinsic value does not make sense and everything will be fine. This journey will not be comfortable realizing that the investment industry, probably the most powerful sector in the economy in the last 50 years is about to be shaken up and understanding that many of the teachings of your status laden billionaire bosses aren't exactly the best in a post fiat world will be sore, but it's going to be okay. As I told you at the beginning of this letter, you are an intelligent and communicative person. Once your Bitcoin domino, uh, falls, you will be faced with one of the greatest opportunities of your life. And I promise you that after the initial scare, the only thing left is inexhaustible optimism. Agreed. This whole thing about, uh, let's see, hold on. Where is it? Uh, where was it? Cause it re reflected something that I was already talking about last week. He was talking about, I'm not going to find it uh, anytime soon. Um, it was, it's about where Bitcoin is rooted because I was talking about soil, I believe on Thursday. <clears throat> where is Bitcoin rooted? If you're a plant and you're growing in shitty ass soil, your chances of survivability are pretty minuscule. But if you're rooted in good solid soil with good functioning water cycles, carbon cycles, nutrient cycles, mineralization and a whole host of life, bacteria of various kinds, nematodes of various kinds, fungi of various kinds and arthropods, big and small, to shred all of the leaf litter that, that falls on the forest floor and then all the other microbes can pull it down into the soil and it just rains nutrition upon it. That's the soil that Bitcoin is rooted in. The financial or legacy financial system is rooted in, well, corruption. It's a corrupt soil. It will eventually die. Even if Bitcoin wasn't here, it would eventually die. Bitcoin is rooted in people, not in corrupt systems. That's why Bitcoin survives. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says, jokes, there was a big moron and a little moron, and they were both sitting on the fence. The big moron fell off. Why? The little moron was a little moron. Yes, baby. Oh, I'm so sorry that I did not bring you. I don't think I brought you a single joke last week because last week was honestly not a laughing matter. If you survived it, congratulations. If you're still here and you, you understand where we're going, congratulations. Because there's a lot of people that have permanently fell off and they won't get back up on this horse until they absolutely have to. I don't know how well, I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you with a plea. 
Do what you can to make sure that your family and your friends don't fall into this shit coin trap, especially right now, because I just don't see it going away anytime soon. We sure want it to. I get it, dude. I get it. But you've got to, you got to cotton to reality at one point or another. There is no end of people that know how to do marketing and know somebody who can spin up a chain of shit faster than shit through a goose. And when those two things collide, you're going to get people losing their houses, losing their families, losing their lives. I have not yet heard of any actual suicides from this Luna debacle, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right in saying it's probably happened at least once. I've seen many, many, many posts in various places of people saying that they've lost their house because they mortgaged it and went all in on Luna. And before I was even doing this podcast, I started this podcast, in, I want to say October, September, October of 2018, was it? My God, have I been doing it that long? Holy shit. Um, so, but even before then, there were so many times that some new shit chain, you know, got spun up on like, you know, BitConnect, which actually wasn't even a chain. It was just a ledger and you couldn't do anything with it. Um, lost all their money. One coin lost all your money. And I, I mean, and it was just the same story time after time after time again. You know, the only person the only person that that was able to pull that shit off that I know about and actually uh, not only survived but thrived was that guy from the Bitcoin family. I, I don't know. He's, uh, he actually sold, they, as a family, they sold everything that they had. And they went in all in on Bitcoin, but they also had a couple of shit coins. But they were like the early ones, like Litecoin, and I'm pretty sure he's got some Ethereum. That's the only guy that's been able to do that shit and survive. But that's also because they never wanted to live in a house again. They uh, apparently they just get Airbnbs around the world and they just go. But he's the only guy I know of that doesn't have a lost at all story because all these other people, what they ape into is shit that literally was. I mean, dude, do you realize how young Luna and Tara actually is? Go, go look at the chart and figure out when that shit got spun up. I'm not going to tell you. You got to go find out for yourself. It's not long. When marketing meets somebody that is at least functional enough to start up a ledger, if not a whole blockchain, disaster and catastrophe occur. Please, for the love of God, do what you can to keep your family and your friends and yourself safe. Buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.